Good morning. Today is April 25th. It's a beautiful Saturday here in West Jordan, Utah. This is the Proverbs for Professionals podcast. And I'm your host, Pastor Adam Peak. where every Saturday I go through the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds with the date and talk about it. Um, you know, talk about it from a lot of different angles, primarily uh, hoping to glean a little bit out of uh, the Proverbs that is applicable for folks like me who have, you know, full-time jobs, business professionals. So uh, we can get started here. I did notice there's a there's a great little verse in Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, so Proverbs 24.10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Boy, is there anything more applicable, you know, with what we're all collectively going through today than that idea? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small, uh, implying that, listen, I don't know when we're going to get through this. I don't think anybody really understands or knows, but I do know this that we need to continue to stand strong in the day of adversity. Uh, not faint, not back down, not quiver away. Uh, you know, in, in the work environment, do your job with excellence, uh, whatever that job may be. Uh, for sure, you know, we have to take care of our own mental health. Uh, we have to take care of our families. We have to take care of our bodies. Um, we don't back down during these difficult times. So, uh, there's a little <clears throat> bonus Proverbs 24, 10. All right. So let's get into this. Uh, it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of Kings is to search things out. And so what's interesting about that is, uh, one of my favorite lyrics, uh, it's, it's on a t-shirt that I own is uh, it was by it's by propaganda and Andy Minio also says something to the same effect but it's that I'm not the artist I'm the canvas uh, there is a level of humility that comes when we realize that we are the canvas you know um, that that God is the one who creates um, it's the very first attribute assigned to God in the beginning of Genesis, in the beginning, God creates. And so this idea that the glory of God conceals things, but kings will search things out is, is so appropriate because it puts ourselves in the right position. Um, it puts ourselves in humility against the, the almighty creator of the universe and says, oh, that's right, I am not God. And you might think that's silly, but so much, of, so many of our problems, so many of the things uh, that, that get us in trouble stem from this false belief that we are the penultimate God of the universe. And you think, what a prideful thing to, to think. And I don't think people consciously think that. There are a few, and we call them crazy. 
but there are, there are people who act as though they are God. And, um, and, and that is, is something that has to stop. We have to, we have to, in humility, place others as more important than ourselves. In humility, understand that we are the ones who search things out. God is the one who creates and can conceal. And that is something that humans don't like to, to wrestle with, really. Uh, so let's continue here because there's a lot of cool stuff here. Um, the, this little section, uh, verses uh, 8, 9, and 10, I want to talk about from a perspective of, of, the, of the workplace. So it says, What your eyes have seen do not hastily bring into court for what you will do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame. Argue your case with your neighbor himself and do not reveal another secret lest he who hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute will have no end. And then it says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Okay, so what's happening here? It's not as though it's not saying, hey, you know, don't go to court. We have a justice system for a reason. I think on a much broader topic, it's saying there, there is so much about, there's so much written, there's so much talked about around um, human communication and how, how, we, how we work together with one another and how we build trust and these sorts of things. If you have a problem with somebody, if there is a person who is, who is causing you stress, if there is a person who you are frustrated with, in, in work, then go and talk to that person directly. Because what happens oftentimes is the opposite can occur. Um, I heard the phrase, a, a transference of energy happens or a transference of emotions can happen. So you take your frustration and you say, oh my gosh, did you hear about Karen? Or did you hear about Jim? Or whoever, you know, the... Um, you know, it used to be the, uh, what is it? The water cooler talk. And now whatever it is, it's, it's, it still can happen, right? Text messages, virtual things, all these, all these, all of these kinds of things. <clears throat> so rather than being a, a conduit of negative energy in the workplace and taking our problems and taking our negative emotions and then compounding those with other people and stirring up all of this stuff, we ought to just go to the person who is causing our problems in the first place because it's foolish to do the other thing. The other way does not actually solve the problem. It only makes you momentarily feel validated and better. But that's not making that person, it's not helping that person change, you know, at all. Now, I'm not saying there is wisdom in a multitude of counselors. If you have trusted people that you want to say, hey, is, is this, should I be offended by this? And someone might go, no. No, you don't need to be offended by that. Or, yeah, actually, that's really bad. We need to go, you know, talk to this person. Or, you know, maybe you have to go to, their, to an authority. I'm not saying that you always have to go directly to them. But I am saying that it seems like 95% of workplace drama, I don't have a valid statistic to, uh, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's my, my own feeling, comes from gossip and slander. And these are, these are talked about as sins in the Bible. And I think that they are, they are sins. A sin is an archery term, or the term sin is an archery term, which means to miss the mark. 
So it's, it's that we are missing the mark when we are gossiping and when we are slandering. And it happens all of the time in the workplace. It happens all of the time in the church. Come on, church people. You know, like we have to stop with this. I call it uh, prayer group gossip. Oh my gosh, did you hear about blah, 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 blah. Oh yeah, I'm just telling you so that we can pray for them. Um, are you? Or are you gossiping? Because those are two different things. So uh, we, we really have to watch, um, we have to watch our tongue. You know, this word fitly spoken is beautiful. Um, but the Proverbs talks a lot about our tongue and the words that we say. Along that line, if you get down here into verse 21, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Okay, so one of the marks of a follower of Jesus is this idea that we should be kind and loving to everybody, including our, quote, enemies. And that is really, really hard. In the New Testament, there's a passage that says, well, of, of course, you know, everybody will love people who love them. That's not, that, there's nothing different about that. We love our enemies and we pray for those who persecute us. So if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. I mean, food and, and nourishment during this time was a very valuable commodity. Think about it like this. You have a neighbor and you and your neighbor are constantly at war with one another. They built their fence two and a half inches into your property line and you are ticked off and you have not talked to them since. And then the whole economy just goes completely crazy, shuts all the way down. There's a global pandemic and there are earthquakes. I don't know. I'm just making up stories hypothetically here. <clears throat> not about the fence. I really love my neighbors. But you, you understand the, the scenario, right? You have a neighbor and then that neighbor comes over and says, hey, I am so sorry. We've been, we've been kind of at, at war with one another. I bought you this toilet paper. I bought you some hand sanitizer, bought you some masks, and I bought you some flour. Um, they had extra at the store, and I wanted to bless you. I am so sorry. What happens to you in that moment? It's almost like this, this you know, burning coals uh, on your head if you want to keep staying mad, because then you're like, oh, but I want to not, but you can't help but change in that moment, right? You cannot help but change and either either reject it and say, how dare you? Okay. Or you accept it and you begin the, the, the process of restoration with your neighbor. Okay. So conflict, handling conflict directly with people, and then also handling it with with kindness, handling it by going above and beyond with forgiveness. I, I've always said, look for one thing, just one thing. You, you may be only 1% wrong and the other person is 99% wrong. But if you want to be restored to that person, look for one thing to say, hey, I did this and I'm sorry, will you forgive me? My belief is that it perpetuates a cycle of forgiveness, which ultimately will lead to reconciliation. And then finally, uh, the last verse of chapter 25, 
A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. All right, listen, this is going to be a constant theme, and you might hear me saying similar things over and over and over again. But the idea of self-control is so critical right now. Um, It breaks my heart to hear about the rates of domestic violence and abuse and substance abuse that is happening during this during this pandemic. There is no way to say it otherwise. It is it is heartbreaking. And it is it is horrible to hear about that. <clears throat> and all of these things come from a lack of self-control and then and then an expression of that lack of self-control in heinous and horrible and sinful ways. But lest we look at everybody who's doing these things and say, well, at least I'm not that person, understand that, that they did not probably get there in one day. It was, it was a slow, methodical drip. It was a constant relaxing of steps. It was a constant daily just slipping away of self-control. And so one of the things that we can do during this time is to increase our self-discipline and increase our self-control. All right, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, and I'm assuming it's most people, um, that's going to involve daily self-control reading the Bible, daily self-control praying for other people. When you pray for other people, you take the focus off of yourself, you put it on God and other people, you are invested into seeing what God is doing in their life. Praying for other people is one of the single best ways, I think, to meditate and, and, and to get your mind correct. Not bringing God all your problems, but, but using time, communicating with your creator God on behalf of other people is really powerful. So putting in healthy disciplines today, physically, spiritually, mentally, <clears throat> emotionally, uh, you know, from a diet perspective, all of these things. Because when you start to lack self-control and you slip all the way down, Solomon, this is a proverb of Solomon, says at the beginning, is like a city broken into and left without any walls. You have no more defense because you cannot control yourself. All right, so that's it. Everybody have a kind and loving and great week. And we will talk to you next Saturday. This has been the Proverbs for Professionals podcast, and uh, we'll see you soon.